7 to 8 p.m. Sport On with Tabiso Musia. I've got to give it to Wilder before we move on yeah, with him. Um, he's got the bottle. You know, he wanted to fight the best. He tried to fight while I was out the ring, retired. He tried to fight Joshua twice. It was going on for ages. We all know that. They offered 80 million. And uh, I know a few people who saw proof of funds and all. A few people who I can definitely trust. Um, $80 million for a two-fight deal. And they refused it. You know, so I don't think they're going to get any big paydays like that. Any bigger than that anyway. So, yeah, I don't know what was going through their mind. But they refused it for whatever reasons. Because they were afraid of getting chinned by the bronze bomber. And then I stepped up to the plate. And then I had that rematch clause because I'm a good businessman. And, yeah, I made him pay in the rematch. You know, so it was what it was. But, yeah, all respect and aberration to big uh, Deontay Wilder. And I'm sure he'll bring A-plus game in the rematch. And I'm sure I, w- I will. And, you know, anybody, it's still a 50-50 fight. I'd say it's a 60-40 fight this time because the odds have got to be in my favour because I've beaten him twice. But you can never write a man off like Wilder. If- Good evening, everybody, and uh, thank you for joining us on SAFM Spot On with me, Tabiso Mosia, Katla Komudiva, and uh, Timothy producing the show. And Sylvester Komane is our technical producer this evening. Well, uh, that clip that we've opened with is the WBC heavyweight champion of the world, Tyson, the Gypsy King Fury, still talking about Deontay Wilder ahead of their third fight, which has now been penciled in for December from what I saw this week. Of course, it depends on the coronavirus situation at the time and on that note tonight on the show we will actually speak to the man that was the third person in the ring when Wilder and Fury fought for the first time that fight ended in that controversial draw according to many some still believe that Fury had done enough uh, to uh, win that fight despite being dropped twice by Deontay Wilder while others felt that Wilder was unlucky to get the win not to get the win rather but the big talking point had to be that second count when Fury was dropped in the the 12th round there and a lot was said about that count being longer than the normal count and uh, maybe the referee uh, gave the gypsy king some time to recover them there were even people who timed it after the fight they did their own uh, timing and they felt that it was longer than the 10 second count so jack race uh, will uh, talk to us about uh, that he is uh, the man that was officiating that fight he was in the middle for that one is also officiated a fight involving andy ruiz jr also canelo Alvarez and Chris Van Yarden also and so we'll talk to him um, about uh, those and then later on the show um, it's my pleasure to say that we will catch up with a former SA Junior featherweight champion IBO international and intercontinental champion Makput Sinyabi we just want to find out uh, from the McMahon how is life after boxing how does it reflect on his career uh, McMahon retired in uh, 2017 with 24 wins from 29 fights was also a knockout artist during his days with 20 fights not going the distance so he's agreed to chat to us just to talk about life after boxing and um to reflect on his career. Now, a lot of people have asked us to bring Makbut Sinyabi. So if you have any questions or comments for Makbut Sinyabi, you can send them to this WhatsApp voice note number, which is 061-4104-107. Or you can call us on 0891-104-207. Our SMS number is 41391. And for those English 
Premier League football fan. We know that there are three matches on the go right now, so we'll try and keep you updated as we go along. Uh, it's currently Newcastle 1, Bournemouth 0. Uh, with the Gales scoring early on there after eight minutes. Goalless between Everton and Leicester City and uh, goalless between Arsenal and Norwich at uh, the Emirates there. Uh, so those are the matches that kicked off at seven. There's also Chelsea and uh, West Ham at 9.50 in the London derby tonight. So uh, we'll try and keep you up to date with those scores. But we're going to talk boxing for the entire hour. So please send through those voice notes for our guest, Jack Rice from the US, the referee, joining us all the way from California. Uh, any questions? He doesn't have to be about the Wilder Fury fight. It can be any questions that you have regarding officiating, whether it's being a judge or whether it's being a referee. Uh, you can send those to this WhatsApp number 061-4104-107. For the story behind the action, catch Tabiso Musia weekdays at 7 p.m. Before we speak to the referee, the official Jack Rice, let me just play the rest of that interview with you with the, I mean, the rest of that clip of uh, Tyson Fury that we opened with. Uh, firstly, he spoke about Deontay Wilder and how he thinks that Deontay Wilder is still dangerous, but he didn't stop there because in the second clip he says um, only he can beat Wilder in the heavyweight dis- division. Wilder beats Joshua, he beats White, Jarrell Miller. There's nobody can beat Deontay Wilder. Are you joking? The Bronze Bomber. One touch on their faces and they're gone forever. Good night, Vienna. He would do to White and Joshua what he did to Dominic Brazil. Put them unconscious in round one. They ain't got the skills I've got. I just want to see them fight. You know, they want to call Wilder this, that and the other, but he will put them to sleep. Easy. As soon as he touches them, they're gone. They've got no defense. They just walk into punches. Big long one-twos off Deontay Wilder. And what are they going to do? Walk him down. Without a faint, without no footwork, please. You won't walk a man like that down. He'd punch holes in you. Gotta love the Gypsy King. A true heavyweight champion of the world there. A character on and outside the ring. And that's what you need from a boxing champ. You can't be a boxing champion and just be a boring guy and say, no, may the best man win. The spirit in the camp is very high. It's good. We are happy. No, it doesn't work like that in boxing. And then what does he think about his proposed fight with Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury because we've already had that they've agreed a deal in principle they haven't signed yet but they've agreed that they will fight uh, the two Brits heavyweight champions only thing that would uh, stop a fight happening is a 50-50 split or a, or a 10-90 split or whatever whatever it is but the money the money's been taken care of so if this fight happens it, it won't if it doesn't happen rather it's not because of uh, we couldn't agree terms on money or anything it's because he got knocked out by Alexander Rusek or, or uh, uh, Pulev or I got chinned by Wilder basically so there is quite a few tough hurdles in the road for both of us yeah there's a few hurdles in the road for both of us but I'm sure that with the right focus and the right mental attitude that we can uh, do the business and, and if it's supposed to happen I'm not convinced it is, by any means of imagination. I never have been convinced. Never. Never, never, never have I ever been convinced that I will ever fight Anthony Joshua. I've never been convinced. Well, you're still not convinced you're going to fight him? How can I be convinced? If he's got to fight Pulev, and if he's got to fight Usek, how can I be convinced that he's going to get through them fights without losing? How's that? Tyson Fury saying it like it is there. He was interviewed by 
Coogan Cassius of IFL TV, the Tyson Free, and we thought we should just bring it uh, to you there, uh, the Gypsy King. Gotta love him, don't you? Anyway, let's now speak to the man that was calling the shots in the first fight between Fury and Deontay Wilder that ended in that draw. It also gives us a chance to find out more about uh, Jack Reese and what it takes to make it as a top official in boxing. Uh, good evening, Mr. Reese. Thank you for joining us here in South Africa and speaking to us tonight. We hope you are well. Um, thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be uh, talking halfway around the world for me with people like me, boxing fans. It's great. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. We're looking forward to chatting to you this evening. But firstly, how are you keeping during this difficult time that the world is facing with the coronavirus? How are you guys coping that side? Well, I'm doing just great. My wife and my family, we're doing just great. Um, I'm very fortunate. Uh, I re- when I retired from the fire department, I moved to a suburb uh, north of Los Angeles. So I live about, you know, 65 to 70 miles from L.A., and it's an, uh, a relatively quiet town. And you might have heard of it. It's called Oxnard, California. And the reason you might have heard of it is because we have some of the world's best fighters training here. Mm. The gym down the street from my house used to be owned by Robert Garcia. He's trained about 11 world champs there, and right now, Lomachenko, Kovalev, and many other guys train there. They call this town, its name is Oxnard, but they actually call it Boxnard, and the weather up here is great, and um, we haven't been hit with the COVID virus extremely hard, so I am able to get out of the house, walk around on the beach, walk around in the harbor, and on a personal note, you know, I miss boxing tremendously. Uh, but we are going to be opening up and we'll be having our first first fights here in California in about two weeks. And uh, me personally, I've been working very hard while I've been home. I'm teaching a boxing referees training course mm-hmm. along with Pat Russell, world-class referee, done many, many championship fights. So we've been working on that, and it's called Soul Arbiter. S O L E A R B I T E R, and you can look at us. Look, look us up at soularbiter.com. Oh, definitely. I was about to ask you about Soul Arbiter because we did uh, see it earlier on while preparing for the for the interview. So, what is it aimed at improving the skills of of the up and coming officials, referees? Well, it, it's it's more than that. We've uh, we wrote the curriculum to encompass anybody who wants to take the course. This could be for boxing fans. This could be for amateur boxing referees that want to become pros. It could be for beginning pros. And more importantly, for people who are already pros, seasoned pros, that really want to take it to the next level. And at each and every course uh, I've taught like this so far, we've taught together, we've always had the media, people from the media uh, join us, and we have people from the uh, television broadcasting media coming this time and it helps them improve their understanding of the rules and regulations and the mechanics of what it takes to be a professional referee, and it's, it's benefited them greatly, and it's uh, benefited the fans because now the commentators can educate the fans on why we have to do certain things the way we do it. And it's been great for everybody, and we're looking forward to it. The next class is September 4th, 5th, and 6th, and we're looking forward to it. A couple of months ago, we spoke to Mr. Tony Weeks, and I asked him the same question I'll put to you. What does it take to make it as a top ring official? 
Well, Tony's like a, a brother from another mother. I love Tony. <laughs> We're good friends. And whatever he said, I'm going to agree with. <laughs> but um, all kidding aside, what it takes to be a top referee uh, is the understanding that this is not a um, something you could do very quickly. It's a, it's a part-time job with a full-time commitment. And to really be a top official, you've got to have commitment and dedication to this sport. And the way I look at it, and I've always looked at it, First of all, I love boxing, which helps me. I'm passionate about it. And I'm sure, and I've talked to Tony Weeks and Kenny Bayless and uh, other top officials, Joe Cortez, Benji Estevez. I've talked to all of them. And, he, uh, and, uh, and even Dan Duarte that lives out mm-hmm. by you guys. Mm-hmm. All of us share the passion for this sport. And you have to be dedicated. You have to, you, you can't rush yourself. And you've got to be extremely um diligent to to want to learn and the way you learn is by becoming a student of the game by watching fights on tv having a mentorship with other officials at a top level and when you're watching fights on television or you watch something live when you see something that happened that's not black and white you call your you call your um your colleagues and you sit down and you say, hey, I saw this situation. Let's look at it together. Let's think about what the referee could have done different or better. And everybody learns from it. And it's constantly trying to improve yourself. That will help you reach the different levels um, in boxing. And I got to say this, too. Mm. Our sport is so wonderful. Uh, but it's a very scary thing for everybody involved. Whether you are a fighter, a referee, a commissioner, a cut man, a corner man, a commentator, it doesn't matter what you are. If you don't really know this business, there's going to come a moment in time where if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to be exposed. And boxing exposes the, the phonies or the fakers all the time. It happens. I see it a lot. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, uh, uh, Mr. Reese, I mean, what's your view on the use of video technology in boxing? We've seen a lot of the major sporting codes around the world now. They use a lot of video technology. Is there space for it in boxing? Absolutely, yes. I wish everybody's, con- all the commissions and all the sanctioning bodies and all the places around the world would start using instant replay. The technology has gotten to a point where... You can use it to create an advantage to help get justice. Um, in every other major sport, soccer, basketball, football, whatever, baseball, there's a multitude of officials on the field. And when, they, when something happens quickly or it's dynamic and not everybody sees it, they can call time and they can get together as a group and decide what was fair, what was best for the players, and what's best for the sport. In boxing, we don't have that luxury for a few reasons. We're alone. We're the only official in the ring. And if one fighter is hurting the other fighter, and we call time and stop the action for an extended period of time to find out exactly what happened, we take away a possible advantage one of the fighters might have over the other by letting that fighter rest. 
So in, using instant replay will level the playing field for us because it's very inexpensive to put a multitude of cameras around the ring. And if you have a reviewing officer or the commission is the reviewing officer, and while the fight's still going on or in between rounds, before the next round starts, if, if a, it's very simple. If, look, I'm a human. We're all human in there. If I miss a headbutt, if I miss a knockdown, and the, the reviewing officer or the commission can look at that tape and beyond a shadow of a doubt, make the correct call, correct the referee, assist the referee, we get justice in the sport. The sport benefits by it. The fans really appreciate it. The referee benefits by it. I think it's a wonderful thing uh, to do, and I'm all for instant replay. Good to hear that. And, and, uh, and technology. Yes, and Yes, of course. And you are a Hall of Famer. How do you uh, reflect on your career as a referee? And uh, what would you say are some of your career highlights as a referee or as a judge? Well, as far as the first uh, title you put on me, I feel blessed that some people have recognized what I've done and they decided to um, induct me into Hall of Fame. But I'm still working in this career, and I, I want to keep going and doing the best I can. So I'll look back at the accolades when I'm all done. Right now, I'm still learning. I learn from every single fight, uh, and I always try to improve myself. So I, I don't really try to judge myself as, oh, I'm a Hall of Famer. I really, it's just something in the back burner. And one thing that keeps me humble that I really, really understand, and I wish more people would understand referees, you're only as good as your last work. So you could be the best in the world, but you make some one or a multitude of mistakes, and that's all you're going to be remembered by. And if you get complacent and you don't stay sharp in that ring, you're going to go out of this sport in a very bad manner. And there's many referees, I can name them, but I'm not going to, that towards the end of their career or towards the later part of their career became complacent and they're only known for the mistakes they made rather than the outstanding fights and officiating that they've done throughout their career. And I don't want that to happen to me. So anyway, that's, that's that part of it. And some of the highlights of my career, um, you know, boxing is very much like life. You go through life and you have, you know, routines that you do and day-to-day business. But every now and then, you'll have a, a wonderful, you'll have wonderful moments with your family, your children, your friends, even at work. And boxing affords the same moments. There are moments in different fights that I've had that I'll, I'll remember forever, and I'm glad to be part of it. A couple that come to mind is um, very interesting. I was refereeing Andre Ward against Edwin Rodriguez, mm-hmm. and um, it was a very spirited fight. Those two guys hated each other, and it turned from a boxing match into a street fight. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to take control because they weren't stopping. They were in a wrestling match, and they weren't stopping. When I told them to stop, it was getting out of control. So I actually jumped in and grabbed Andre Ward. I grabbed whoever I could, <laughs> and I happened to grab Andre Ward to spin them away from Edwin Rodriguez to break them from what they were doing. And Edwin Rodriguez hit me with a good left hand on the chin. And uh, I was rocked a little bit, but I separated him. And I took control of that that situation. And um, I took some actions that a referee 
you know, has to take, and they calm down and they fought. Oh, are you still there? Oh, no, we seem to have lost Mr. Riz. Can you hear us? Oh, no. Apologies for that. We're going to try and connect uh, with the line in California. If you've just joined us, we're talking to top official Hall of Famer referee and judge, Mr. Jack Reese. He was uh, in the middle for Wilder and Fury 1. And uh, we are going to get to that uh, controversy there because there was a lot of controversy there. But you can send us your voice notes on 061-4104-107. And he was just telling us about this fight with the son of God and uh, Rodriguez there, how he got hit by Rodriguez. So there, interesting one. As a referee, take a punch. How do you react? And uh, I also wanted to find out from him if he still remembers officiating a Kolisani Dongeni fight or Chris Van here then. I think the Nomover fight was in 2016 from what we've seen uh, there. So we're going to try and get him back on the line. But you can get those voice notes coming through on 061-4104-107. Maybe another chance then just to give you some of the scores from the English Premier League. It's 2-0 Everton against Leicester now. Still 1-0 to Newcastle against Bournemouth after 25 minutes. And it is goalless between Arsenal and uh, Norwich there at the Emirates. Uh, let's go to the voice. Do we have him back on the line first? Because I would I prefer that he hears the voice note uh, when when we play these voice notes. I can see there are two voice notes that have come in here. We've got Mr. Reese on the line. Sorry about that, uh, uh, Jack. We just got cut off there. It is technology. You were still telling us about this Andre Ward and Rodriguez fight where you took a punch. Uh, and then, oh, okay, now we've lost him again. Okay, now technology is not our friend uh, tonight, so hopefully things will improve. Let's just take a quick break. Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. We will still uh, hope we are still going to speak to Makput Sinyabi, by the way. Um, later on on the show, we just look at his. Uh, career or a life after boxing he's now a promoter so if you also have questions for Makbut Sinyabi you can send them to 061-4104-107 a lot of people had been asking us about Makbut Sinyabi just wanting to hear from him but we've got Mr. Reese on the line Mr. Reese uh, Jack apologies for that we just got cut off there it is technology it happens sometimes you were just telling us about what happened with Son of God and Rodriguez where you took a punch and then wh- what was next did you ask for a second just to take a breather Yes, um, so after I got hit, I separated them and I took some referees action to hope to help them calm down and I did and the fight went pretty good after that. So that was a memorable situation. And the second memorable situation was in the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury one fight yeah. in the twelfth round of that fight when um because of training and my experience Instead of just waving it off, I gave Tyson Fury an opportunity to beat the count, which he did, and it became a very memorable uh, point in time in heavyweight championship history, and I feel blessed to be part of it. Great. And on that note, we've got a question. We've got a voice note here for you. Let's play it. Uh, good evening, Tabiso and your guest. Um, firstly, Tabiso, thanks to your guest for, for, for giving us um, South African time um, and and so that we can learn from him um, secondly um, do, do referees including him judge the fight while they are busy with it uh, do they judge the fight and, and are they surprised when a person or a boxer that they think would win is not the winner um, Secondly, 
what does he think of the of the controversy between uh, Walter and Fury, the gloves issue? Where Ufuri, the 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 uh, allegations that Ufuri extended his gloves. Okay, let's take that one first, uh, Jack. The first question is: Do you keep a scorecard yourself while you are officiating, and uh, do you compare it at the end of the fight? I do not. Um, I there used to be in the old days the referee was the third judge, but you know, keeping those guys safe in the ring about thirty forty years ago. The powers to be decided to let the referee referee only. So when I'm in a fight and I'm refereeing it, I'm keeping a mental scorecard of the amount of damage people have taken. And I think I have a pretty good feel for who's winning. And yes, to answer your caller's question, sometimes I am very surprised when they read off the scores of who won. (laughs) <laughs> and then he also wanted to find out about the controversy that came after the fight uh, where um, it was uh, alleged that Tyson Fury was tempered with his glove. Okay, I could put an end to that. Uh, you I didn't do the second fight. I did the first one. And there was a little bit of controversy. People were saying that he tampered with his glove in there as well. Is that what you're referring to? Yes. Okay. I want to put a squash to that. That is absolutely untrue. And I think the people who do that are really detractors from boxing. They don't understand boxing. They don't understand what goes on. I was in the rules meeting. I I conducted the rules meeting the day before the fight. And then I sat there while both fighters chose their gloves and their backup gloves for the fight. Once they chose their gloves, those gloves stayed with an inspector until the next day, the day of the fight, until they were given to the fighters to put on, and there were two and three inspectors in that room. Those gloves were never tampered with. What I can tell you is this. When I was watching both men put the gloves on the day before, mm. they are six foot seven and six foot nine. They are tremendous. They are huge men. They are big men. And their hands were so big when they were putting them in those 10-ounce gloves, they barely fit in those 10-ounce gloves without even being wrapped. Then you go to the next day, and they had wrapping on their hand, and they put them in those gloves, and those gloves are 10 ounces of uh, foam and leather. And after punching each other and sweat, of course those gloves are going to be damaged. But there was no tampering of the glove. And it's a conspiracy theory that's not good for boxing or not good for anybody. And it's just not right. It's not even remotely true. We also saw some footage of you before that Wilder and Fury fight one where you were in the dressing room uh, talking to Fury, saying that you don't care who wins. You're just worried about the boxer's health. And that's your main concern. Just take us through what goes on in the dressing room before the fight. Well, the, you know, the, the day before, we have a rules meeting with people from both camps. And that's when we go over the unified rules of boxing. But the day when we go into the dressing room, I'm there. Basically, I don't talk about rules. I talk about how I'm going to conduct myself, so what the fighter can expect from me and what I expect from them. So I explain when I say the word stop. Any punch you throw after I say the word stop is a foul. I explain 
that if you guys are in a clinch, I'm going to verbally try to work you out of the clinch. And I explained in this situation to both fighters, because of the gravity of this fight, if you get knocked down, and I do this in every fight, mm-hmm. if you get knocked down, I'm going to give you every opportunity to get up and prove to me that you can intelligently defend yourself. And if you can, I will allow this fight to continue. And things like that. And that's what I did. And it was a very festive uh, atmosphere in both um, dressing rooms. And I have to tell you, both fighters, when I was telling them, we don't want any controversy tonight, this is what I expect, both of them interrupted me separately. I was in you know, each dressing room separately. Both of them said, we don't want any controversy. This is going to be a clean fight tonight. I'm going to win this title clean. And they both conducted themselves in that fashion, in that ring. They both fought extremely clean. There was no funny business. And I have nothing but the utmost respect for both of those guys. What did you make, though, of the, of the controversy that came after what happened in the 12th round, that count there? Uh, some were saying that you left that count too long. How do you look back at that? Well, you know, people don't understand the grave responsibility that we have as officials, and they really don't understand the rules and guidelines of boxing. I could send you a copy of the Association of Boxing Commission uh, referees manual, as well as other publications that tell us when a fighter is had a prior damage, heavy prior damage, and you're concerned about the fighter's health and safety, but overly concerned, you should make you should ask him questions when he gets up after a knockdown. Ask him questions to to test his level of concussion, to test his level of consciousness. So you want to see if he can respond to you by asking questions. And additionally, to really test his ability to intelligently defend himself, make him walk to the right or to the left. Because it's very, very hard for someone who's concussed to have to turn right and left. And they can, they can move forward and back. That's, that's easy for someone. Even a drunk can move back, you know, forward but it's very difficult to someone who's concussed and it really demonstrates their level of uh, control. And that's what I did. And if you look back in the history of a lot of, you know, every fight you could see where there's um, knockdowns, hard knockdowns, you'll see the referee taking 14 to 16 seconds because look, I am about to let a guy who was just concussed go or come out to a, a guy across the ring that's going to come in for a kill to try to take his head off. I've got to be sure that that person that I'm going to let fight again is able to intelligently defend himself. So it's sad that people jumped on that. It's a detraction to the sport, but there's always going to be controversy in our sport. But 99% of the people in boxing have given me accolades for my patience and not rushing to judgment and uh, waving off the fight. And everyone understood, you know, everyone who understands boxing understood what I did. And, um, you know, fighters sometimes say things that they don't mean or because they're full of adrenaline and emotion. And the same fighter in the second fight, Deontay, was saying things like he lost because he didn't have his legs because his costume was too heavy. So it just, you know, it just, it, it's really not good. For anybody to to make excuses like that and it just detracts from the sport 
And um, I have nothing but the utmost respect for Deontay Wilder. And, I, you know, moving forward, I'd love to do his fights again. Do you think that was the perfect count? For me? Would you say that was the perfect mm-hmm. count then for you? You know, I don't want to say anything I've ever done is perfect, but I, I challenge anybody to take a stopwatch without shifting away from the, from the video. And when the person, when uh, Fury hits the ground, start it, start it, because that's one. And you'll see that, l- let me say this, a knockdown is any time due to a legal punch or punches of any part of the fighter's body other than the soles of their feet touch the canvas. Conversely, you are no longer considered a down fighter once no part of your body other than the soles of your feet are touching the canvas. So Tyson Fury, as I was saying nine, pulled his right hand off the canvas, and once it's an inch off the canvas, no part of his body other than the soles of his feet are touching. He's no longer down, and it's my job to assess his condition, if he can intelligently defend himself, if I'm going to let him go on or not. And if you could look at the ABC manual, it says exactly that in the manual. So I don't want to say it was a perfect count, but I was pretty good that night. <laughs> Finally, before we speak to Makbutsi Nyabi, who's already on the line, you've officiated or been involved in fights involving one or two South Africans. Do you remember uh, about those? There was, I see there was Kolisan Indongeni and Chris Van Yerden. Chris Van Yerden, but also this, I, I, I'm going to butcher his name, I'm sorry. Siempe, uh, I can't remember his last name. Yeah. I did a fight with um, Julio Cesar Chavez, no, uh, um, um, Adam Berto Soto, um, he used to ride a horse into the ring. I can't remember his name, but he fought a South African in Mexico City. What a war that was. Uh. And yes, Chris, uh, I also did Chris's fights. And I have to tell you about South African boxing. Yes, please. South African boxing to me is like Australian boxing and is like Mexican boxing. The fighters that come to the arena to fight are the real deal. They show up to be competitive. They show up to win. Every time I've ever watched or every time I've ever refereed a fighter from South Africa, it was a competitive fight. They didn't bring opponents. They bring guys to win. And I have nothing but the utmost respect for the South African uh, boxing commissions that that are regulating boxing there, some of the great trainers that are there. um, And um, I, I love to referee South African boxers. So it was a pleasure doing those fights. Very competitive. Um, Neither one of those fights were overwhelming wins. Great fights. Ah, And it's been a pleasure for us to talk to you, Mr. Riz, here in South Africa. We appreciate the time you've given us tonight and the insight and the knowledge that you were able to share with us. And we hope to catch up with you again uh, soon. But thank you very much. It's an honor for us to be speaking to you tonight, sir. Thank you. The honor is mine, and I'd love for you to send me the link to this, and I'll put it on my social media as well. Definitely, you'll get, you'll get it by this evening. That's how fast we are here on SAFM. That is a Hall of Famer, our offici- official ring official, Mr. Jack Ray speaking to Jack Ray speaking to us here on SAFM.